This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today is not our full-time Liverpool correspondent, both home and away, James Pearce. He's very much having a rest, having worked very hard for the last couple of days. However, I'm delighted to say that joining me is Joe Rimmer. Hello, Ian. Hello there. Uh, also, Paul Ghost. Afternoon, Ian. And we are proud to present our very latest member of the sports team. If you are following our coverage from the Champions League final in Kiev, you'll know that he does actually work for the Echo and has done for some time. But he's made the big switch from news to sport. It's Connor Dunn. Hiya, Connor. Hello, Ian. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm okay, thanks. None of the others asked me, though. They're yeah, just very, no, rude. very rude. Do you, know, do you know what Connor did before he became a sports reporter? He covered St. Helens. Yes, I know. There you go. That is where, where I'm you, from. Where yeah. from. And as yeah, you can tell from it. Connor's accent, he's also from St. Helens as well. Absolutely from St. Helens, that's correct, Ian. Indeed. Now, as you will all be aware, the World Cup finished yesterday. France won by beating Croatia 4-2. Paul, I'll start with you. I mean, what did you make of the tournament? You, you of course, famously tipped France to win it. I did, yeah. Um, and do you know what? Curiously, I haven't actually reminded many people of that, which is, I probably should be doing. I just said France from the off, didn't I? But do you know what? It was a, it was a great tournament. There was three 1 0 wins in a, in a row when I kind of denounced it, and James Pierce famously shot me down. And since he did that, it, it just completely changed. And it was a, a really enjoyable World Cup. There were so many moments, so many goals, so many like dramatic turns. Wasn't that like Senegal going out on, you know, fair play? And just it was just a great World Cup from start to finish, I thought. And um, and I know you weren't overly enamoured with it, but you know that takes a lot for you to kind of show your your smile, doesn't it? So um, there's no surprise there. But for me, I really enjoyed it, and I thought France were probably the deserved winners because they they didn't they didn't play particularly great football, but they were very um, very methodical, uh, almost like a Mourinho team, you know, grinding out the results and. In the final, the, the big players really came to the fore, didn't they? The likes of Mbappe and, and Pogba, particularly in the second half. Um, so I think they were deserved winners. I mean, Joe, you were supporting France in the final as well, weren't you? Certainly was. Paul is, sorry, but Paul is so two-faced, isn't he? He's been slagging this World Cup off behind <laughs> his back. Slagging off what, one, <laughs> one, one day <laughs> with three one nils. behind his back all the time, and now, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, oh, I like it. <laughs> Pathetic. Well, what, what did you think then, Joe? I enjoyed it, thoroughly enjoyed it. One, one of the best World Cups I can remember, to be honest. To be yeah, fair, you uh, can't really remember very much, no, can you? No, so? no, no, I can't, because I'm so young at the age of 30. You're 30 now? I'm 30 now. Oh, yeah. 30 this year. Well done. You, d- you didn't come to me party. No, I didn't know. Totally, no. I wasn't invited. Anyway, go you on. You were invited. Anyway, I've, I don't know why I invited you. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it was, it was a great World Cup. Thoroughly enjoyed it from start to finish. Pleased for, well, one half of my household was very f- pleased France won yesterday. We spent the evening watching videos of the Champs-Élysées and all these people. Absolutely, I've never seen a place so rammed in my life. It was um, some great scenes there. And, yeah, I think France were deserved winners. Again, like Paul said, quite... Not not the most exciting team yeah. to watch, but some some really good individual players. I think Pogba was excellent. Kante is just superb. I love the two centre halves. I think Varane is just yeah. brilliant to watch. And then Mbappe was really, really was was a sort of coming out party, was it? This World breakout star, was, wasn't he? Was yeah. yeah. And then um, and then of course Olivier Giroud. <laughs> but, but he didn't, he didn't have a shot, did he? he didn't, he didn't have, have a shot, shot on no, target. No. He was the only, was the only person. He, he got subbed off, didn't he? And he looked absolutely gutted. France are on the verge of winning the World <laughs> Cup, and he got subbed off, thinking I've not contributed at all. 
Uh, what was the guy's name when they won it in 98? Didn't score a single Givash. goal. Givash. Oh, Stefan Givash, yeah. 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 He went he to was, Newcastle, was, wasn't like he? Givash yeah. of the World Cup. So Giroud Gir- off to Newcastle, then, is what we should read <laughs> yeah, into this. Yeah. Connor, do you agree with uh, Paul and Joe, who are both wrong about this World Cup? No, do you know what? <laughs> I absolutely love the World Cup. As a massive England fan, being from down south, I know it's not quite as huge on Merseyside England, but, you know... Always got it in there, straight away. got it in there. Literally <laughs> love it, and, you know... I enjoyed going out, watched every England game out, you know, different places around town, went to the fan zone. Just thought the whole atmosphere around the World Cup, around England, just provided such a special experience for fans. And, you know, I don't think anybody expected England to do so well. And I think that, that little bit of pressure off them helped them a lot, which I know obviously everyone's been saying. But, yeah, I think it just helped the World Cup massively as an England fan. It's because, you know, you're invested in other games because you're wondering who England might play or can get through other games as well. So, yeah, you're just interested in the whole whole tournament. Um Similarly to Joe, I thought Varane, you know, had an excellent oh, World Cup. He's not been particularly well mentioned, you know, here or more, you know, Mbappe and everyone else. But semi-final, I thought he was absolutely incredible. One of the best centre-back performances I saw in the World Cup, to be honest. So, yeah, I think France were deserved winners too. Now, the actual thing with the World Cup is that it wasn't actually that good, really. Let's be honest. Oh. In terms of in terms of the ac- In terms of the actual football, it was quite poor. In terms of the stories, if you're a journalist, there were a lot. If there were a lot of great stories out of it, and it was very enjoyable to watch. Don't raise and, your hand and, at me, and, and England, as Connor said, added to it all by doing more than we expected. And of course, that's going to make it memorable forever for, for anybody from you know with with an English slant on this. But overall, if you look at it, the actual standard of play, there's been no real great tactical innovations. There was no like tremendous ideas out there on the pitch. You know, there was no real breakout stars. You can't call Mbappe one because you know he's already moved for 180 odd million pounds, so he's not much of a one. And, you know, I just thought it was a little bit eh, really. Do you kind of think of it in terms of like the massive teams, you know, like your Germany's, your Argentina's, your Brazil's not really overly performing? Well I think the thing about that is interesting because Argentina were just rubbish and I couldn't believe how bad they were. Germany I actually reckon I never thought I'd ever say this. I thought Germany were a bit unlucky. Should have beat Mexico. Got you know, got away with it against Sweden a little bit, but could have won that game easily. And I think by the time South Korea turned up they were gone. Brazil could easily have beaten Belgium in that second half. So I think yeah, maybe it lost a little bit with the big teams going out and yeah, I think France were deserved winners. I don't think anybody can argue with that. But you always got the impression that they were kind of playing with the handbrake on, weren't they? You, you felt as though they could just cut loose at any time, yeah. which seems a bit weird saying that when they scored four goals in a final and four goals in beating Argentina. They've, they've kind of got that, that way of playing where they just have 10 minute spells, almost a bit like Liverpool to an extent, where they just, just have that burst and, and before you know it, the game's taken away from whoever they're playing. As I say, it was quite methodical from them for most of it. And then they would just have that, you know, like you look at the. Um, was it Pogba's goal yesterday where he kind of drills it into Mbappe's path, uh, path and, and he's away and, and 10 seconds later it's in the back of the uh, of the Croatian net and that just came from just one long pass and they were away and, and you know they've basically taken the game away from Croatia um, so that was kind of how they went about it but other than that as Connor says Varane I thought he was exceptional throughout um, Champions League winner World Cup winner you know what a, what a few months he's had he could, it, he could be in contention for the Ballon d'Or. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, so Roy Smith tweeted that, and I, I think he's spot on. Mm. Um, TT as well, another exceptional player, I think. Really, real powerhouse, just great on the ball as well. Um, yeah, just, uh, they have got some fantastic individual players, France. But as you say, they're not, they don't particularly look that cohesive. But I, I, it's interesting watching, like, Caroline Myleroff watches the French news every single day, and we, you see that the French public aren't exactly enamoured by... Did the A-Day Champs and, and perhaps the way the team performed, but 
the, the results there, isn't mm -hmm. it? They're the world champions, so no one will remember in um, in 10 years' time. They'll just go down as the world champions. Are we then, given my view of this competition and the football, have we been a little bit spoiled over the past two years by what Liverpool have been producing, certainly over yeah, the last yeah. season? Because you look at that and you go, I don't think anybody would argue that the Champions League is of a greater standard oh. in terms of the football, but you know the World Cup's the World Cup and it's, it's totally unique. But I always think that with international football, you don't find teams are as cohesive because they don't train together as much. They, they never used they to be that way, though. They never can't used to pick be that their way. personnel as well as a club team can, can they? Mm. But I was going yeah, to sort of right. say that, to be fair. And you said about the cohesion. I think quite a lot of the international teams seem to just be waiting on their big players to produce yeah, something yeah. spectacular <clears> rather than, you know, as you say, Liverpool their front three have been playing superbly well, the midfield links as well. You know, obviously they're playing together so much more. But yeah, I do think we've been massively spoiled by Liverpool and the way Liverpool have played because the football has just been spectacular to watch. And rather than waiting for individuals to do something, somebody else from the team will take that on and create something for someone else rather than in the World Cup. You know, you're waiting for the individual players to do it. Do we, sorry, sorry. sorry, it's not just Liverpool either, is it? It's, it's Manchester City and yeah, the, way, the way they play, the way other big Spanish teams, Real Madrid and Barcelona, the way they play, Arsenal, even to an extent the way they play. So it, it's, it's not just, just Liverpool that we're spoiled by. It's by several exceptional teams and, and the way they, their style of play. Do we feel a little bit sorry then for Dejan Lovren, the, one of the greatest defenders in the world, <laughs> apparently? Uh, you know, he's obviously lost a Champions League final where he was arguably Liverpool's best player. And then he's conceded four in a World Cup final where none of the goals, you could say, were his fault. I suppose so. Um, you know, a lot of people are going to be jumping on the fact that he did come out the other day and said, um, I've taken Liverpool to the Champions League final. Uh, I deserve to be recognised as one of the best defenders in the world. Um, maybe he should have just kept his counsel, but I think Dan Kay nailed it the other day when he said he's a player who plays on emotion. And, you know, I think he was particularly emotional and he was kind of... It was just such a such a big occasion for him reaching the final of the World Cup, and maybe he's just spoken a little bit out of turn, and maybe. Do, do you feel as though he has spoken out of turn, or do you actually quite like the fact that he's come out and been so confident with what he said? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't agree that I wouldn't agree with him that he's one of the best defenders in the world. Um, but in terms of, it, it was quite bullish, wasn't it? And it was quite confident, and I suppose that's what you want. What's that's what you want from your players to be, you know, you don't want shrinking violets, particularly in the sense of defence. So I suppose if he feels it, it's it's quite refreshing to hear it, you know, rather than just a paint-by-numbers post-match interview, which we hear so often. Yeah, it's obviously great, you know, that he's coming out and showing his confidence. I think maybe that comment in particular was him perhaps getting a little carried away with the situation, you know. He's had the performance against Tottenham, which I've written about today, um, where he was dragged at half an hour in, horrendous, and... <laughs> He's come up against Harry Kane again and he's been pretty much dominated so, dominated him, sorry. So, you know, he's got to the end of that game and thought, wow, I've had a cracking performance here and he's probably got a little bit carried away with the situation. You have that, you know, specific comment. But I don't think, you know, it's completely unfounded to say he's playing really well as a defender. You know, he has got to a Champions League final. He has got to a World Cup final. And that you can't take that away from him. I know he's lost both of them and I suppose you can feel a little bit sorry for him in terms of that. But at the end of the day to even play in both those finals is more than a lot of players will ever be able to say in their whole careers. Mm -hmm. And he was playing for the underdogs in both finals, exactly. wasn't he? He, yes. he, yeah. he wasn't expected to win either final. Um, I think I think with Lovren, I think he feels the criticism. I think he reads and listens to a lot of what's said about him. He clearly takes it to heart. And, and that, coming out after the game and saying, I'm one of the world's greatest defenders, it was, it was just a reaction, wasn't it? And you could tell it had been building up and he'd sort of wanted to get it out there and, and fair play to him, I, I don't mind it. Do, do, do you feel then he's been criticised, Peter Schmeichel and Craig Bellamy and to a lesser extent Steve Nicola have all come out and said negative things 
about him after that and then after the final itself. Do you feel as though that's a little bit harsh on him? Are they just a bit... Or has he made a rod for his own back with some of the stuff that he says? He's made a rod for his own back because people are then going to say, when he loses a game, look, see, Croatia have conceded four goals and and lost in the World Cup final. But saying that, who who thought Croatia would get there? You know, he played very, very well. He deserves a lot of credit. Is he one of the greatest defenders in the world? Well, he's probably not in the top 10, but would you have him in the top 20? He might, he might be up there. He has to be. He has to be, definitely. He could even be in the top I, 10, I, to be honest. Probably name 10 central defenders who, who I'd say were better than him, but you couldn't name too many more after no, that. No. No. So yeah. I, I, I get your point, yeah. yeah. And he should be proud. I've seen a lot on his Instagram. He's, he's after a quite an emotional, obviously, few hours after the, after the final he's then been on his Instagram with a silver medal and a lot of the Croatia team singing and they should be happy and they'll be heroes they'll go back to mm-hmm. Croatia they'll be absolute heroes the the team in 98 were remembered as heroes and, and this team will be remembered as heroes and, and rightly so and good, it's good for them I'm glad now with him being involved in the World Cup final and you know, Jordan Henderson uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Simon Mignolet also being involved in the, in the semi-finals none of these players are due back at Anfield or Melwood, I should say, until August the 5th, which is only a week before the season starts. So we've got to assume that they're not going to be playing. So in some respect, I mean, what what does Klopp do with that? Is that going to put him at a disadvantage, Joe, or is it just, it's not as bad for Liverpool, though, is it? If you look at Tottenham, they've had, I think it's like nine players mm-hmm. who've been involved in the last four. City have had seven. Yeah. I think United, had, United and Chelsea have had six, and Arsenal have only had one. Is that Belgium bunch, is it? If you've got players mm. from Belgium, you seem to be really, yeah. really struggling. But yeah, no, uh, I suppose... I don't think it, make a, it makes a world of difference. I'd still expect in that first game, I wouldn't be surprised if Lovren starts. Really? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I think You don't think it's an opportunity the next few weeks then for Gomez or Matip to, to stake the claim? Oh, it's certainly an opportunity, and if they're playing very well, then that then it might be different. But if if not, then I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if Lovren starts. Klein is probably going to come back to the floor, isn't he? And he, he will probably get a chance. But I don't think it's a massive disadvantage to Liverpool. At least they'll have their front three back by them and, and involved and their midfield they've got plenty of options now so um, and Van Dijk of course will be there so I don't, think it's, don't, I don't think Klopp will be worrying about that I don't think many fans will worry about that either I mean Connor do you think Loughran's going to start the, the opening game of the season big call there from Joe I'm not saying he definitely will by the way no, you, said, you, reckon, you said that you think he will I wouldn't be surprised that's okay, sorry. it's a lot of games to play and it's a lot of emotion to go through as we've just spoken to which also obviously takes its toll I think no matter what job you do, you need some time off. You know, these players have played a lot of money, and obviously, but you know, everybody Ian needs Doyle some time. Knows a lot about <laughs> <laughs> off again next week. Yeah, no, everybody needs <laughs> we, some time to relax. So I would be surprised if Lovren starts, given the fact that he's just played a whole World Cup and pretty much every minute of it. Um, but yeah, you know, Joe makes a interesting, <laughs> maybe not valid, but interesting point. Maybe he's not learning. Valid. He's learning right. already. So learning the, already. So the, the, they're, they're back in training on August the 5th, are they? I think that I read yeah, from you then today. It, then it's a week. Yeah, so, so they've got a week. So I, I don't think it, it's an outlander suggestion that Lovren might, might play a part. You know, this is the point of, Thanks, of, of why, you know, why Jürgen Klopp's buying the, you know, the midfielders. So if Jordan Henderson is given a breather, then they've still got Cater, Fabinho, Wijnaldum, Milner... Um, and you know, Matip could just as easily start alongside Van Dijk. It's a chance for him to to show that he he, he should be given a fair crack of the whip because he, he struggled with injury didn't he most of the last season. Um, and I actually thought Matip was going to be the, the defender to partner Van Dijk when Van Dijk signed. Uh, Lovren had had says in the form of his Liverpool career at the moment. Um, but if he's not going to feature, then uh, throw Matip in and, and see what he can do. It, it's up to him to to stake the claim. Now, while everybody else in the world was getting excited about the the World Cup final, Liverpool fans were getting excited about a trip to Bury, 
or as the same berry, Burry. Burry. Burry, that's it, yeah. Burry. Anyway, uh, a nil-nil draw, Joe. It was, you know, we watched it in here. It was not the greatest game. Pretty incident-free. Even Klopp afterwards was kind of not very happy with the way things had gone. He thought too many of the players were trying to impress him too much rather than just sticking to the normal game. Yeah, I think that probably makes sense. It, it was the typical pre-season game, wasn't it? Very disjointed few individual performances where, where players sort of went it alone and and I think that's fair you're always going to get disjointed performances when you change a lot of personnel at, at half time and whatnot. so I think again it's about fitness isn't it I, I think as the pre-season wears on we'll see young players sort of disappear some of them will head out on loan Harry Wilson being one who's, who looks like he's set to depart on loan so I think there's nothing to worry about there was no injuries no horrific performances um, you know, it's, it's just a shame that Liverpool couldn't beat a, a pub team 22 nil. A pub team? That is in reference, of course, to Everton beating <laughs> yeah, a yeah. team from Austria. It's disrespectful to a lot of pub teams. ATV Erdning. ATV Erdning, yeah. You used to be able to get that on Channel 3. 22 nil. 22 nil. It was it was absolutely remarkable. I know we shouldn't really be talking about Everton. No, we have to podcast, talk about the own goal. It, it was we remarkable. Have, uh, yeah. Not the own the, goal. The, the funniest <laughs> one for me was the, when the goalkeeper just moved the, out the Blasic. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was to make it 20 0 wasn't it? <laughs> Unbelievable. He was folded it in by that stage, you don't yeah. think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Connor, you that fussed about results in you know, during the summer, you know, you look at in the old days there's no way a Liverpool friendly would have been shown live on, on television. But now everything we you know we're as guilty of it as anybody else. We just have to assess everything. And while you know Joe makes the point that you know it's about fitness, it is for some of these young lads. It is the only chance they're going to get to impress Klopp. So they have to look as though they're doing something a little bit extra. You look at the likes of Shea Ojo because there's every chance he could go out on loan again. Then you don't see him again for another year. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly a valid point. Really, you know, I don't think I'd be too worried about the result itself. Um, it is maybe, as you say, for the youngsters. For example, I think you know Brewster hasn't played a single minute of first team football yet, has he? And pre-season games are going to be his chance as well to you know show Klopp what he can do. But if Klopp, as you said, is getting annoyed at the fact that some of the players are maybe trying to do too much impressing, then that's going to backfire as well. But I think there needs to be a bit of a balance. Obviously, you know, obviously always going to be keen to impress when you're not getting any first team football and when you get a chance in pre-season games so I think more than the result I think individually for the younger players it's it's the most important times of their careers um, obviously nil-nil at Bury is a horrendous result for a Liverpool first team you know you can't really get away with that you can't really get around that fact but you know nobody played particularly badly probably could have had a couple of goals if we finished our chances so I'm not too worried you know Paul, so, I was going to say, Paul, no goals and nobody finished their chances, and that's leading to a little bit of concern amongst some Reds fans. That you know, while everybody knows that the front three is going to be, you know, Firmino, Mane, Salah, it's whether they've got the quality underneath that to, uh, you know, to, to back them up. Whether they've got the strength and depth up top, which is a question that who's been asked all the way through last season. It well. is, you're right, and I think Dave Ockerigi's fluffing his lines at the moment, isn't he? He hasn't impressed once. And um, he's been given ample opportunities to do that. Sturridge has probably looked the brightest out of the, the strikers. Um, I, I think Solanke's still a bit raw and unpolished, and I, I don't think he's the answer to, to play when Firmino doesn't. Um, as I mentioned, it is a big chance for Regan. So far, he's come up short. He had that one big chance in the first half. And it's Sturridge who's taken his, his chance at the moment, and I think most of us, certainly myself, would have said that Sturridge would, would, uh, would be heading for the exit door this summer. Klopp has obviously... 
didn't necessarily say that yesterday, was it? Or, or when it was he was after the game on Saturday. Yeah, when he was asked after the game. Um, but you know, Jurgen Klopp's always kind of said that line, hasn't he? When he's asked about players leaving, he said if he, if Sturridge can impress, then he'll be given a chance when the season starts. So, you know, I think it is kind of highlighting a lack of depth in the uh, in the central striking role, and uh, we'll have to see what happens. Whether Klopp looks at maybe bringing someone in. Um, because none of them have particularly done a whole lot at the moment. As, as I say, I think it is Sturridge who, who's taken his chance the most, but none of them are firing, are they, really? Joe, are you not impressed with what Origi's done so far? Because you, you've got to bear in mind, he did spend the whole of last season out on loan at Wolfsburg, where he didn't go particularly well. OK, he scored an important goal, but that important goal came in a relegation mm-hmm. playoff, which kind of underlines how badly it went for Wolfsburg. And it's it's easy to forget that in Klopp's first 18 months, he was almost one of the big break breakout stars, wasn't he? He was always a strange player, though, wasn't he? Origi, you'd get like, he'd play well for six games, yeah. so he'd score, he'd score five goals in six games, and then for the next ten, wouldn't wouldn't score a single goal and would really struggle. And I don't know whether time has just passed him by at Liverpool now. And have they, yeah, have they moved on? Because you've got to yeah, bear in mind they I have just so. been Champions yeah, League yeah. finalists. Would they be Champions League finalists if Divock Origi was up front? Probably not, probably not. But they were Europa League finals uh, finalists when when he played. Well, that's true, yeah. yeah. So and they played against some good teams in that in that run. So I don't know. It's difficult. I, I do think Liverpool have just passed him by now, and I think he will leave. Um, but it's interesting what what Paul should say because I, I think they will end up having to buy a forward because I know they don't want to block block the pathway for the likes of Ryan Brewster, who I'm sure is an exceptional talent. But if if Ings leaves, if they they let Origi go, and I'm pretty sure even if he's playing very well in pre season. If they storage, could get, yeah. find a buyer yeah. for storage, it's, it, that's what it depends on, isn't it? Because they can get that wage yeah. off off the wage bill. And look, he, for as well as he's playing now, we all know that in September he could break down again. So I think they could end up selling three of those four forwards and, and be looking for another one t- towards the end of the window. So it's interesting. And, and what is also interesting this year is they don't have the... They've got to make a decision before the season starts because mm. they don't yeah. have time yeah. to to have to let Storage have a couple of games in the Premier League to find out whether he's still up to it. They, they're going to have to make a decision quick. Um, I'm not too sure on loans. I don't know whether they can still. Go I mean, would assume it would, be, it would be the same same rules, wouldn't yeah. it? It's, it's still the transfer deadline. Yeah. Or oh, they could sell them abroad, couldn't they? But you, you don't really want to be going into the season with that problem. They're going to have to make a decision in the next couple of weeks, really. Aren't they? I mean, Connor, you've been looking at the World Cup and some players that Liverpool could be interested in I mean what forwards have you have you looked at that Liverpool might consider going for if they do decide to strengthen that forward line up top yeah there's been a couple and obviously as you say if they are in the market for a forward which you know they sell a couple of players they pretty much well might be you've got Mertens who's at Napoli um, on absolute fire last season for club so he would look like a really interesting prospect you know they've moved him about positions and could be interested with a move if he's looking for a more permanent position and Liverpool could be the answer. You've got Cheryshev, who is the young Russian who performed incredibly well at the World Cup. You know, four goals, five games, you just cannot argue with those stats. You know, the lowest ranked team in the competition and still to be scoring is, is pretty impressive. So there are a couple of people in the market and you've also obviously got Timo Werner. You know, he didn't have the best World Cup, but as we discussed earlier, it might mean that he has a point to prove now. He's only 22 and it's very young in terms of any player, really. So, yeah, he could be looking to move on. And, you know, the lure of Champions League group game football and regular Champions League group game football could be 
a good prospect for him. It's funny how forwards have changed, haven't they? Three forwards you mentioned there, none of them are the old traditional style. Fernand might, might be the nearest, the yeah. nearest one to it. Even he played fair. a bit wide for Germany, didn't he? So yeah. Maybe if he'd have been up front, he might have scored a few goals. <laughs> he kind of reminds me of a little bit of Fernando Torres' team over there. I haven't, I haven't seen a, a great deal of them at RB Leipzig. We, we, we can tell because you've just made that comparison. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not talking about 2007 prime Fernando Torres, but just like similar, similar styles of movements and, and the way they play. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because if if these forwards don't don't show up for the next few weeks, then Klopp will seriously have to look at bringing someone in. Um, and it, that in itself is a problem because you're looking to buy someone who pretty much knows that they're not going to be playing every week, and you know that it's going to be more difficult to attract someone of a su- sufficient standard, but still accept that they're going to be a, a backup. So it's a tough one. You have to buy a fairly young player, don't you? You have to buy someone who. Like Mertens is an exceptional player, but I just thirty don't know. years old, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I don't, don't know where you fit but him. But then in. it might be his last chance for a big move. Might he wouldn't be. have played in the Premier League before, and yeah, and he has played, as Connor said, out wide, and he's been but he got shifted up through the middle. So he, he's he's almost like a not the same style of player mm-hmm. as Firmino, but he's ended up following yeah. the same routes yeah. up, up, up front. I suppose that's where you have to be aggressive, like Man City, and say we'll we'll sign him. And if he doesn't get in, he doesn't get in. He just sits on the bench and has an impact and scores however many yeah. goals. From the bench, so that's an interesting point you make there. Are Liverpool got to the point now where they can afford to do that in terms of a afford to do it in terms of money, but also with the amount of players that they have on the, in the squad? Yeah, I think. Well, I think they are doing that now, aren't they? Well, they certainly do it in, in in terms of midfield, yeah, aren't they? You yeah, look yeah. At Fabinho, don't you? And you think, well, they they played Jordan Henderson in that position, and Klopp, by all accounts, was very happy with what he got from him last season. But this season, he's going to have a bit of a headache in how he moves them around and. You want Liverpool to be doing that. You want Liverpool to be Shakiri is another another example. You know, a good player, but he's not going to play every week, and and he knows that, and he's going to have to fight his way. And if he if he's good enough to get in, that will mean he's very very good. And if he's not, then they've got a good player to come off the bench. That's what City have just done with Mahrez. Yeah, I think it's a healthy situation to be in because you know you you basically improve your team, don't you? And, and if the, the ones who are who are coming in are better than the ones who are already there, then tough. Yeah. The ones who are already there have basically got to go again and prove that they deserve to be in the team and. You know, stockpiling players who, who you know are going to be backups doesn't work. It hasn't worked for Liverpool for, for years. Yeah. I mean, Shakiri, the deal got done on Friday night, and we haven't done a pod since then. I mean, Connor, I mean, what, what's your take on it, on him signing? I personally, I think it's a bit of a bit of a no-brainer. He, he doesn't cost an, in today's market an awful lot of money. He's got the experience. He's still youngish. Klopp obviously knows all about him, having played you know against him in in Germany. What, what do you think of it? Yeah, so what does he know? Only 26. 26 yeah. Feels like he's been around for so much yeah, longer than that. But it's that hairline, that's what it is. Do you know what? <laughs> you know, that position, of obviously Liverpool have got options, but there's no bad thing if you want to give someone a rest in your weekend games if you've got a Champions League game coming up in on a Wednesday or a Tuesday. For me, it made absolutely perfect sense. It's not a lot of money to pay for someone, you know, if he has a poor six months, you know, get to January, or if he has a poor year sell him again in the summer you're not going to lose out too much money on him either Um, Mm. great squad player but I think it all links back to the fact that Liverpool have grown in stature as a club over the last few years the fact that Liverpool now can do this sort of thing can bring in players that you know know they might just sit on the bench for a few games City do it all the time because I think players want to play for City you know you probably feel like you're going to win some silverware it's great that players want to come to Liverpool just for a chance to get to play in that team yeah. So yeah, Shakiri for me is probably one of those. And it's an absolute, yeah, as you say, no brainer. It reminds me a little bit like when Liverpool bought Craig Bellamy in the sense that we were going to say that. Yeah, 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 yeah. that that was you know everybody knew he was a decent player. He was you know a little bit, wouldn't say old, but he certainly was approaching his peak years, if not just gone past them. And 
he did a job for a year, left, and then he, he obviously came back yeah, again yeah. a few years later. Exactly right, yeah. And again, they bought him for a fee. They got him for six million, sold him for eight, didn't they? So mm. at the time, that was probably quite similar to the type of fee they're paying now. So I, yeah, I think it's it's one of them, isn't it? It just adds to the squad. You know, if Liverpool are nil-nil at home or one-one at home with someone in the, going into the last twenty minutes, and you've got Shakiri coming off the bench, you know, with the way he takes free kicks and the way yeah. we know he, he he can cut inside on that left foot, it's it, it's an exciting prospect. Plus, another thing which I think has got overlooked because everyone just looks and thinks, oh, he played for Stoke, is that he played for Bayman. He's a winner. He's yeah. won stuff, yeah. mm-hmm. and Liverpool haven't got enough of that in the squad, have they, Connor? No. Well, he obviously, you know, it speaks for itself. Lovren has has lost three cup finals in a row now. European. I think, I think it's four, isn't it? Is it four? four. Is it? Yeah, yeah, the league yeah. final as well. Oh yeah, crikey, I forgot about that one. So yeah, you know, the lack of winners in the squad and in the club at the moment speaks for itself a little bit. You know, it's young and it's great, but you do need some experience. You do need people who know how to win, know how to get to those finals. That's great, but know how to win in those finals is a completely different prospect. Can I just point out that's the first time we've ever heard the word crikey, crikey. on this? Yeah, yeah, that I thought that was very. What kind of brings to the table? Politeness and manners. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. we haven't yeah. got any at all. Right, who wants to talk about the season ticket amnesty? Connor, I know you do because you've have written something about this recently. For anybody who doesn't know what we're on about, Liverpool are, are looking to basically make sense of the season ticket list in terms of the people who are who are on it and who have currently have a season ticket and try and cut down on the waiting list. And by doing this, they're, they're doing they're planning to have an amnesty whereby your season ticket you come and basically prove that it's yours, and if it isn't yours then you just say, well, it's this person's instead. And that includes one of, I think they've estimated it, 421 people who currently have a season ticket in their name who have unfortunately deceased, which even though obviously those season tickets are still being used, it's not been used by the person who, who actually originally owned it. Now, Connor, you you written about this last week, I think it was, basically talking about how long do you have to wait to, to get a season ticket? Or Yeah, it was pretty much an article while I was still working for news about will I ever get a Liverpool FC season ticket. Obviously, the season ticket waiting list is absolutely enormous. And if you are, <coughs> excuse me, um, over about 5,000 on that waiting list, you're looking at about a century at the way it's going <laughs> to <laughs> actually make it. Unless to, they, unless they to build a 100,000 stadium. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I was looking at the only way that all of these people are going to get tickets is if you know they extend, say, the Anfield Road end and every single one of those seats is given to season ticket holders just to clear some of the backlog of that list. But that doesn't seem particularly likely, if I'm honest. And, you know, this season ticket amnesty, in my own opinion, I think is a step in the right direction. They needed to do something about the way season tickets are because you've got factions of the crowd that absolutely hate the fact that people go on other people's tickets. They think, you know, if you have relinquished that season ticket, then it should be given back and given to the next person on the list and so on and so forth because they've been waiting for so many years. You've obviously got the other half, who I can completely agree with and understand as well. You know, friends and family and Liverpool created that problem they admit that themselves in the first place because they wanted to fill the stadiums when it you know with season ticket holders so yeah the amnesty is, is a good idea just because it's a step forward and a step in the right direction for the season tickets um just really in terms of sorting out what issues there are with mm. the waiting list at the moment yeah i mean it's it, we have to point out that it's not a matter of taking away season tickets from anybody no. it's just clarifying who actually who actually owns them yeah, and then, so they can, then they can work out exactly what their fan base is exactly that isn't it so as well i think there is they're basically saying, you know, if you're using your granddad's ticket who may have passed away, you need to come to the club and say, no, it's mine now, and they'll just put it in your name. I know there's been some discussion around sort of friends and family because there's been a bit of concern from people saying they let other people use their season tickets, you know, their friends and their family, as I've just said, 
Um, and if they don't turn up to the game, we're going to have like a photo on the card or something like that. What's going to happen? Well, I, th- I think I think they're not going to have a photo ID. They're going to use your photo just to prove that you are the person who has the ticket. Or and I think they're, they're still trying to work out a way, way whereby if you do have shared season tickets, they they will say, oh, look, there's there's more than one person on this. But I think there'd probably still have to be a a lead person who who owns the you know, guy. Yeah, I guards I, s- it. I saw some suggestions on some fan forums just sort of saying. Maybe you could have two extra names on it or three, but there'd be a cap so you can't just add anyone and give it to anybody. But all of those people could use your list for a certain amount of times. I know there's a little bit of discussion as well. If, if you know, in like European clubs, three strikes and you're out basically, isn't it? Some, if you miss three games in a row or three games across the season, I think some clubs are, they'll just get, they'll just stop you having your season ticket or at least, you know, have an investigation as to why you're not going. Because um, there is the reason for this, and a major part of the reason for this from Liverpool is because there is thousands of empty seats at Anfield every home game and that's because of the season tickets and you sure that's not because of the hospitality though I think it's more to do with that I don't think they sell out all the hospitality certainly not for, for some of the they lesser definitely games. said there was a couple of thousand seats empty because of the season tickets 100% well interesting Paul I mean what, what's your take on it I mean you, you can kind of see why you know when, when a season ticket's been in someone's family for so long it, it matters doesn't it to so many people and and it, it kind of does bring so many families together as well. So you can kind of see why, if it is, you know, new granddads and, and you've taken it on. But if it gets clarified and the name's changed and you, you keep all of the season tickets, I don't see what, how it can be seen as a bad move. As Connor says, it, it is a step in the right direction and, and it goes a long way towards uh, helping fans who, who are desperately just trying to get to Anfield to watch Liverpool in action. Um, they're obviously looking at expanding uh, Anfield and the main stands, you know, Boosted an extra nine thousand, is it onto onto capacity the last couple of years? So it's it, it's all moving in the right direction by the sounds of it. Yeah, we've had we've actually had two season tickets in the family for years and years. They're in my dad's name now. They're in my granddad's name before that. And what what we've had them in, we've had two two tickets in my dad's name. My dad goes and I once once upon a time me and my brother used to go and then I went for a, for a few full seasons and then when I, once I started here obviously couldn't go every weekend because you're working so that my, my dad gives one away to a friend every year and, but you're never going to get rid of them because if you get rid of them you go back on a waiting list yeah back and, to square one and back to square one and you'll never get one again so you kind of have to keep them in the family because there might be a time when my brother goes back and starts going again so it, it is difficult for people but if this amnesty can clear the backlog of a few hundred people and I doubt it'll be any more than that mm. then then it's a good thing isn't it I know Kind of talking about empty seats there. I know that in the in the main stand where my dad's mate sits, in front in front of him, there's at least two or three seats um, empty every almost every, every game, and, th- and they have been for like a season now. And we don't know what's happened, but could that be? I mean, I'm play, playing devil's advocate here because there's absolutely no suggestion that this actually happens. But there could be people who who've got quite a bit of money buy a season ticket and only bother to turn up for the very big Definitely. games because they they they're the ones that they want. And they know it. It makes sense for them. They can afford to write off the other ones. But don't Liverpool have something on their website whereby if you're not going to use your ticket, yeah, you can tell them. Exchange. You can tell them. Yeah. But it's whether people go through the hassle of telling the club and se- you sell your ticket back to the club, don't you? Essentially, mm, yeah. and then and then they sell it on. But it's, I I think I just don't think that many people will take advantage of that. Realistically, yeah. they'll either just try and sell it on to a mate by yeah. word of mouth by saying they want to buy, buy a ticket. I mean, I, I know loads of people with season tickets who when they can't go. We'll bang it on Facebook or whatever. Mm. Two tickets. They won't. They won't go back to the club and sell it on just because of the the hassle involved. In terms of supporters' clubs in the season ticket amnesty, 
So I read a few things about a supporters club that has a set of season tickets, not in anybody's names, and they'll give it away to different fans each week inside that club. I wonder what's going to happen to them in this season ticket amnesty, you know, if they're not related or if they've not got any proof of family and they're just kind of being handed out as and when. I wonder how they're going to keep all of those. Well, this, this is the thing. This is why they're doing the, the old ticket um, things. Well, I'm trying to think of what's the word? Forum. That's the word I was looking for. Forum. They're doing these ticketing forums, which is where a lot of this news comes out. I mean, fans you know, take their concerns to the club. They, they have a way whereby of avenue where they can express themselves and that, that seems to be what's going on and that's why originally I think they were trying to put this in for this season but at the very earliest it's going to be happening next season now I asked um, quite a well-known Liverpool fan who's in our office a bit of a question <laughs> the other day about this season to get amnesty so I was interested to know whether you know because he will obviously go to the match with people that don't have season tickets but they have a members card and they have all the home games from last season on that members card so they're pretty much guaranteed to get the games they want for the coming season which will probably be all the home games again and obviously the aways i wondered if they were offered a chance to get a season ticket would they take that in a different stand to say if they go to the cop every week would they take it in a different stand to save the hassle or would they just keep going with their members cards so they can buy where they want yeah yeah mm. so he, he said there is a lot of people that he knows which i found so so interesting would just take the season ticket sit in the stand and they will just wait for liverpool to win the league and at that point give the season ticket back well they're gonna so, be waiting a long time yeah. the way things have been going <laughs> you know that i just found it interesting you know the fact that they you know it seemed a little bit disillusioned so I, mm. i'm gonna come out here and say I doubt these people would. <laughs> I doubt they would. I know, I know a lot of people say it, and um, I just think, like, I waited a long time to see Liverpool win the European Cup, and when I saw it in 2005, I want to see you them win it again and again yeah. and again and again. Win it every year yeah. if, they, if they can, yeah. yeah. So if they win the league, I, I don't know, I, surely these people will go, that was good. Let's, Let's see them win again. it again next yeah. year. Like, I don't know. I don't, maybe I'm wrong, but I certainly would think so. Right, we'll finish then by talking about Blackburn. Liverpool are at Blackburn on Thursday, Thursday. night. Ewood Park, great yeah. ground. Have you, have yeah, you been? Have you been? Yeah, yeah, nice one. Um, in goal, it's going to be Daniel Ward, by all accounts. Paul, I mean, he, we've written over the past week that by all accounts, this is going to be his big chance. Klopp wants to give him mm. an extended opportunity to prove he can be number one. We won't talk about goalkeeping targets and Alice and all of that let's just keep this to, to Danny Ward this is his opportunity isn't it oh most definitely yeah this is a chance he's 25 now he's not a young kid with potential he's reaching the age now where you want to see goalkeepers basically turn that uh, potential into something a bit more tangible and, and prove that you, you're at the club for a reason uh, so this is a chance um, and you know what I think he's got as good a chance of, of taking it as as Loris Carrius has because I don't think I don't think there's, there's that, you know, it, it's just there in front of him to go on. Like, Carrier's stock's at an all-time low, isn't it? That mistake at Tramia was, was just kind of the, the, the last draw for, for so many people that I've seen on, on Twitter and a few who've spoke to. So why not? Um, it's there in front of him now. Uh, and if he can take it, if he can basically get through pre-season without anything uh, majorly going wrong, then I think he'll play against West Ham. And then it's, it's certainly up to him to, uh, to stay there. I mean, Joe, uh, people forget about Danny Ward, the fact that he actually played for Wales in the European Championship two years ago, so he has yeah. greater international experience, tournament experience mm. than, than Loris Carrius. But as, as Paul says, he's 25 now. While that's not particularly 
old for a goalkeeper, it is a time where you're thinking, come on, you need to be playing now, otherwise you're going to turn into Carlo Nash and be a sub forever. Oh, definitely. I think I think Carlo Nash, yeah. <laughs> Richard Wright. <laughs> I, I think I think for him, yeah, he'd be looking at that this thing and this is his last chance at Liverpool. And and to be fair to him, I, you know, I don't know, but it looks like he's been patient. He's clung on. He's he's hoped to get this chance. So he's got a no pun intended grasp it with both hands and. I, by all accounts, he's, he's trained very well, so it's going to be interesting to see. There'd be a bit of. It was funny because James wrote a piece the other day, his blood red, that there was that there's less pressure on board because of how bad Carius has, has actually been, and sort of means that anyone who even puts in a, a decent performance in goal will will, will impress. But yeah. I think there's a bit more pressure on them because I think that look, Liverpool fans are going to be scrutinising the goalkeeper situation. Everyone's going to be looking at him. He's going to have to come in and be confident, be calm. But he looks like a confident lad, so it'll be interesting. I, I really would love to see, um, I'd love to see him come through and do it, and I'd, lo- I'd love to see him put all those doubts to rest and be Liverpool's next number one goalkeeper. It would be great. Well, you got to bear in mind, Connor, he's actually been at the club for absolutely ages. Yeah. Remember, they signed him from Wrexham, I think it was. I think he was about seventeen or eighteen. He was very young, so Is that long, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's been, he knows all about Liverpool. He'll have sat on that bench for many, many times and seen the crowd. He knows. He also knows what's happened to the likes of Mignolet and, and Carrius, so he'll know exactly what he's letting himself in for, won't he? Yeah, 100%, but seeing what's happened to the likes of Carrius and Mignolet, it shows him that the door for the Liverpool number one spot is absolutely wide open. And as you briefly mentioned about him you know, performing for Wales, he's also led Huddersfield, not led Huddersfield Town, but some heroic penalty saves yeah. has taken Huddersfield to the Premier League. So... You know, he's also a winner, essentially. He's won promotion to the Premier League. So I don't think he's any bad replacement to have in goal. And as Joe said, I really hope he he just takes this opportunity and and performs. Right, I think that should do us. Join us later this week where we will be talking more about Liverpool. Cheerio. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.